Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. Welcome back to the Gospel for Life. Once again, it's Phil Moran and Josh Bales and myself in the studio. Unfortunately, we do not have Jonathan with us, so Phil has been working. I think he's avoiding you. I think so, too. (laughs) Phil has been doing a lot of extra work to keep us under control. Thank you, Phil. Got me worn out. (laughs) Well, is that? Well, I won't say. Um, that's not that tough that's what he was going to say because you're old that was the implication I would be super offended if I were you I consider the source (laughs) so we've been working through some questions um, that were sent to us um, by a prisoner and um, today um, we want to begin with a, a statement that he writes and he writes this God only wants us to serve him because we choose to after all, what is love without the choice to not love? So what do you do with that? Well, I think I <laughs> well, I think I would do what you always do with me in this room, which is not answering the question that I am asking and you choosing to answer the question that you want to answer. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant technique. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> um but I, I would say that the first part of this sentence is, um, so God only wants us to serve him um, because we choose to. Um, I don't know everything that he has behind that sentence, but I would say that um, involuntary service does not honor God. God does not want us to go through the motions of religion. He's not pleased. I mean, several places in the Old Testament, Psalm 51 being one of them, God, you you don't want sacrifices what you want. You want a contrite heart and a broken spirit. So there's no doubt about it that God is not pleased with, with quote-unquote worship that is not voluntarily choosing to love God. So, I mean, and I think... C.S. Lewis said something like this in his book, Mere Christianity. I think I disagreed with that the first time I read it because I was kind mm. of just biting my teeth on Calvinism. And I bristled at this idea that that God needs free will or free choice. But I do think it's true that um, you're not honoring to God if you're not choosing and volunteering and using your will to, to approach him. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a misunderstanding of Reformed theology that this says that uh, the the misunderstanding of Reformed theology or the the accusation against Reformed theology is that that we're saying that our response to God uh, does not come is our response to God does not come from a place of freedom or from a place of free choice. Uh, that's absolutely not true. But what we are saying, and and I'm not going to argue from the standpoint of a human theology, I'm going to argue from the standpoint of Scripture, that apart from God's initiative in our lives, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, and unless God t- 
takes the initiative and gives us life, we can't respond to God at all. And that when we do come to Christ and receive life from him, um, we are set free then to freely respond from the heart to God. But what we will what we will do inevitably is give God the glory for that freely made decision as well. Yeah, and this is straight from uh, me and you are the Westminster guys in the room. We outnumber the uh, the other guy um, today. Uh, this is <laughs> Westminster. Um, confession of faith. No, you don't have the right to speak right now. Uh, this is chapter nine, paragraph four, and this is on the the, the freedom of the will. Yes. It says, when God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he frees him from his natural bondage under sin and by his grace alone enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. So the Calvinist says that when God, you know, brings regeneration to the sinner, God is not the one choosing on the sinner's behalf. He's loosing those chains of sin and slavery to Satan so that the sinner now freed from his sin looks at the beauty of God and says, yes, 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 I love you, Christ. I choose you. I put my faith in you. See, a human being has a will that will always choose what it desires. Regeneration creates new life within, and now the desire of that heart is to choose God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because God has chosen that person and placed his affection on them and given them a, a really a renewed will, if you will, that then now can freely choose God because God is the greatest good that they, that they would desire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so this idea that somehow we're robots, it doesn't mesh with really what the Word of God is, is teaching. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. There's, there's an old worn out illustration that I'm going to give, even though it's old and worn out. Uh, that be- Does this have to we... do with turtles on a fence post? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. I hadn't, actually, I hadn't actually thought of that, but now... Now you're going to get it, turtle on a fence post. Anyway, um, no, the illustration that I'm thinking of is that before we come to Christ, you're standing outside of a gate uh, with an archway over it, and, and written over the top of it is whosoever will may come. Or you could say written over the top of it is uh, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you step through that door into salvation and then you look back, and on the now you're a saved person, and you look back, uh, on, and on the inside of the door, written over the door, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit. Those sound like um, Bible verses. Those sound like Bible verses, don't they? And uh, did you freely come through that door? Yes, absolutely you did. And you freely chose to come through that door because Christ took the initiative and placed in your heart a compelling invitation. Did it override your will? No, it gave you a free will. He gave you a free will as, as his gracious gift. And the point is that yeah. when, when we enter in through that door, God receives the glory for everything. I, I, cannot give myself glory for having made that decision. 
Yes, was that decision mine freely to make? Absolutely. Because he gave me a free will. He, he, he placed in my dead bones. Uh, I'm thinking back to Ezekiel 37, if you don't mind me hopping around the Bible a lot, but son of man, can these bones live? And the, he gave the answer, you, you know, Lord. And then God caused those bones to have flesh and sinews come upon them and skin, and they came to life. He breathed into them the breath of life, and they came to life. That's the same as our salvation. And so we give all the glory to God for every aspect of our salvation. It's his doing. Quick book plug. Um, that really is the, the whole premise and idea of Jonathan Edwards' Freedom of the Will. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, so using your analogy, you look back over your shoulder um, and you see people who are not making the choice that you made. God s- speaks in a roundabout way to that particular situation when he chose Israel over the other nations in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, uh, God says to them, do not say in your heart, it is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. It is not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart, um, for you are a stubborn people, he tells the people of Israel. So it, it, there is nothing, um, the only difference between me and the person that, or you and the person that's over your shoulder who didn't come in the gate has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with mm-hmm. with God. Yep. If, if God wanted it the reverse, if he wanted to, to grant life and regeneration to that other person, he'd be walking through the door and you mm-hmm. wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I think the most humbling question is to, to step back and say, well, why does God love me? Why did he put his affection on me? And when you try to get to the base of it, well, why, why is it? Well, the only answer is because God chose to love you. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anything in you. I mean, that's where those um, Deuteronomy 7, 8, and 9 are such powerful chapters where God is saying not just to Israel, but to all Israel all yeah. throughout time, all of his people and all of history, don't look for the reason for my affection in yourself. The reason for my affection is only in me. Yeah. It's my mm-hmm. heart of love that I placed upon you because I chose to. Yeah. And brother, that's where it ends. Brother, I was in one of your evening services, I don't know, maybe maybe a year ago. I think it was pre-COVID. But um, you were preaching on something. <laughs> something from the but Bible I'm somewhere. I'm it was some... from the Word of God. But <laughs> must have been very memorable. Um, well, the, the last part was very memorable. You you were very much expanding on this point of the Father loving us because He loves us. And you you got very affectionate from the pulpit. And, and there was just this surge, I, I felt, through throughout just the freedom of God loving us that that mm-hmm. there's nothing deeper than that there's nothing more satisfying than that and that there's nothing more freeing than that because if I think that God's love is predicated on something that I do then guess what happens an hour from now when I feel like I've displeased God right that love evaporates like water on a hot summer sidewalk but if I know that he loves me because he loves me then I know that even when I fall into sin he still loves me and he's drawing me back to himself yeah, yeah. As uh, that, that makes me think of uh, something that R.C. Sproul liked to say. He, 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 he often said that if we could lose our salvation, we would. Yeah. 
Uh, but praise God, it, it, it's God's initiative from start to finish. Yes. Uh, and and even even my response to God, uh, I, I need to give Him glory. And this is where um, I, I want to be careful in careful in saying this. Every false teaching in the history of and this is something I was sharing with the brothers uh, during our time off the air. You can find this in every false teaching throughout the history of the Christian church and every heresy that's ever been uh, promulgated, that it has the tendency to bring God down and flatter human beings. Mm -hmm. It demotes God and exalts humanity. Mm -hmm. Watch for that in any any that's a that's a sign of any anything that flatters us too much and and kind of pulls God down to our level that's a false teaching yes i wanted to just quickly circle back to this idea of the love of god for his his people and just correct what sometimes is is a sentiment that's not overly helpful and and that sentiment is this that sometimes people will say that because of the work of Jesus Christ, the Father loves us. Um, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. The Father loves us and therefore sent his Son. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the work of the Son is the expression of the love of the Father. Yes. yes. Um, Jesus doesn't make it so God can love us. Jesus is the response of the Father's heart of love. Well, that's the that's the first Bible verse we ever learned. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And with that truth, we'll see you next time. Amen. 